Yesterday I was down in Pittsburgh in the morning, early afternoon. We had a soccer game and soccer chaplain. And we were, you know, we beat the other teams. We get to go on the states. But one of the things, the parents came up with one of the other team and says, Father, can I talk to you for a moment? And, oh, yeah, sir. And uh, he says, I was very embarrassed that your kids, a couple of your kids turned around and were swearing at the congregation, at the, congregation, <laughs> at the crowd. And I says, oh, I'm very sorry. I yelled at them because, you know, you're not allowed to swear in my presence down at school. And we teach them very strongly not to swear at all. And yet, sometimes people do things they're not supposed to do. And I says, yes, I know. And I talked to the kids about the reality of that. You know, and again, it, these are things you can't be doing. And when father starts talking, sometimes they just turn father off. But the reason I do that is to talk to them about the who they are. They are the presence of God. And they got to start acting like the presence of God, huh? And then after Pittsburgh, I had to go to Oil City last night. And I'm in charge of the tech retreats, huh? And so we had a tech retreat this weekend. And there we have in very intense adoration. And the reality that Christ on Saturday night is just so truly present in the Blessed Sacrament. But that he's also present inside of each of us. And so last night I got home at 2.30 in the morning when I came home and I'm laying in bed and just rethinking of the reality of this feast day and the reality of Christ truly being present in us and in the Blessed Sacrament. And that's what the feast day is about today. You know, a couple years ago when I was in, uh, in uh, New York City for the first time, I got to go to St. Patrick's Church. If you ever been, anybody here been to St. Patrick's, New York City? You know, well, when I was there, I was very, very, very disgusted <laughs> with the whole situation. Because if you go into St. Patrick's Church, right in the church, on the right-hand side, is a gift shop. Not outside the church, not in the vestibule of the church, in the church of St. Patrick's Cathedral is a gift shop. And I never forgot, I was not ordained yet, and here I am doing my thing, and I'm just so irritated that there was this gift shop in the cathedral of St. Patrick's. And I'm, oh, I fumed out of the church, and I'm going, I'm going to go see the cardinal, I don't care. I cannot believe that they would put a gift shop right smack in the church. And I had visions of Jesus this day, huh? Luckily, there was no cords or whips around, or would have thrown them out that day in my zeal in those younger days. But in the midst of that, in my being very judgmental because, oh my gosh, there's a gift shop in the church. Today, we have to realize that what I was doing is I was so preoccupied about the church building that I neglected at that time the reality of the church, the temple of God. You know, that here I am going nuts for the building. And it was just completely nuts. I, I can, you know, I easily can sit there and be judgmental about this. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. But when I was sitting there and just like, this is the way it's to be, and how dare you, and Cardinal, what's the matter with you, and why is this here? And yet the temple of God, which I am, and which you are, was filled with anger, which is worse than having a gift shop inside the cathedral. Because the temple of me, where God dwells, I had stuff that wasn't from him. And it wasn't the righteous anger which we can have. It was just a judgmental anger. It wasn't the righteous anger of Jesus today. 
You know how easily we can sit there and say, well, I had the anger of Christ within me. Okay, I'm so glad. If you had the anger of Christ, sometimes we can talk about that, especially me, huh? and we can rationalize it. There's no rationalization. If you have the anger of Christ within you, then you'll be very humbled by that. I'm like, Lord, please don't let me do this. It'll be a, a fear and trepidation thing, not a righteous thing. A fear and trepidation. But Lord, I'm sorry that I have to speak your word. I, I don't want to speak your word. I'm, a, I'm afraid to speak your word, but I'll say it for you. When there's the fear of God inside of us and the anger of God, it comes with trepidation. Okay? So here I am. Anyway, in the midst of all this and the judgmentalness of my heart, and then yesterday and dealing with all the stuff and then being short because I'm very tired, the reality that God has been hitting me with, and we have to focus on the scripture today, that the reality that God is here. You know, I sat there with my kids, and I'm pretty bad at prep, huh? The poor kids that have to put up with me every day, and they're in my office. And I say, gentlemen, how many of you here, or if I'm teaching morals, or I'm teaching my freshmen, how many of you here, please tell me, would go and have sex with your girlfriend in the front of the tabernacle in the cathedral? Oh my gosh, you should see the faces. Oh, Father, I can't believe you talk about this. Oh, my goodness. Father, of course you would not do that. Why? Because it's a holy place. I mean, it would be a sacrilege to have sin in front of the tabernacle of Almighty God. Would it now? Yes, it would, Father. I'm so glad you have a sense of that, gentlemen, I would say. But I says, anything you wouldn't do in front of the tabernacle at church, you better not do anywhere else. Because you are that tabernacle. And that's what the scriptures say. Sometimes we as Catholics can become so preoccupied about Jesus there that we forget that Jesus is here. That's what the Bible says, huh? The Word of God. And as we do this, you know, last week my homily got <laughs> way rave reviews, not. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> when I had to talk about purgatory, oh my gosh, everybody was like, <laughs> and we had some people visiting last week from the Assembly of God, and they must have really felt great after all that, I'm sure, because here we are talking. But before I run into the Scripture, we've got to say one thing about the Scripture. The reality about Scripture and tradition being equal foot, it's not true. Tradition is more important than the Scripture. Ooh, now I know everybody's going to go nuts. Why? Because without tradition, there is no Bible. The whole Bible is made up of tradition. And if you say tradition is gone, then you must throw away the Bible as garbage. Because it is through the tradition of the Holy Spirit and the Catholic Church that the Bible came into being. You know, what was first, the church or the Bible? The church. Were there Christians without the Word of God? Yes. Paul was talking to Christians as he was writing his word, as he was writing to, he didn't say, oh, I'm writing the word of God right now. He was proclaiming the good news, and then he says, I have handed on to you what I myself have received. And what do we call that? Tradition. And then, you know, the Bible as we know it was not written, and we talked about this last Monday night, the Bible, 27 books of the New Testament, you know there's many, many different gospels. Mary, there's a Gospel of Mary, a Gospel of Thomas, a Gospel of Peter. There's the letter of Justin. There's all these different letters. There were hundreds of Gospels. You know, they talk about now 
Oh, we found another gospel, the hidden tip. Add it to the collection in the Vatican. There's hundreds of Bible and gospels, hundreds. But what happens is, what makes the 27 books of the New Testament the inspired word of God? Who says that those 27 books of the New Testament are the inspired word of God? Who said it? The church said it. In the year 390 AD in the Council of Rome, for 390 years, the church did not have the inspired word of God. It was there, but they didn't know this was it, these 27 books. Can you imagine that? Now, we've got to get that balance first before you're going to look at me at every time I say something and think I'm completely off the wall because it 100% does not agree with the Scripture. I can't find it exactly in the Bible. Well, again, you don't find the word Trinity anywhere in the Bible. Nowhere. And yet, that's our core belief. And where do we get Trinity from? Tradition. So if you throw out tradition, you must throw away the whole Bible as garbage. You must. You cannot do it without it. Because it was the church who said, this is the word of God. It was the church. And so if you throw out the church, you got to throw out the Bible too. There's no way out around it. Because if not, this did not just appear from the sky. We are not Mormons and believe that, you know, God came down and he wrote the book and then he handed it to him and says, okay, go ahead, go for it. Mormons believe that. The Catholic Church or the Christian Church does not. So when we talk about the word of God, this is the fullness of revelation, yes, but it comes from the tradition of the church. And it's the spirit of God who come, who says, I have come and I've come to found the church on Peter, huh? You are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church, not literary society. You know, he came to found a church, and the church wrote the Bible, interprets the Bible, and brings forth the Bible by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we believe. And so we've got to make sure that we're all on the same page with that. If not, you'll be sitting there coming up to me and saying, well, Father, the Bible says this. Okay, well, what's the tradition say? Well, I don't care what the tradition says. Then you must throw out the Bible, get rid of it right now. Okay, we all on the same page with that? <laughs> because if not, we're going to have problems for the rest of the, my time here, which might be limited. But anyway, here we go. This is it. Huh? So let's go now to the Bible, the Word of God. First, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And we want to go to 5, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter, first, uh, chapter 13, verse 5. And it comes to the Word of God. In 2 Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 5, we see there's a test here to find out whether we're a Christian or not. Test yourselves to see whether you're living the life, living in faith, which means that you're a Christian. Examine yourself. Perhaps you yourself do not realize that Christ Jesus is in you, unless, of course, you have failed to challenge. So here it is, the Word of God says, the inspired Word of God says, you must test yourself. Do you believe that Jesus Christ lives inside of you? And gosh, you have to think about that. If you believe that Jesus Christ lives inside of you, if you believe that, then we got to actually live that. Then we can't have a different person that's in church than when we are at work or with our families or anything else. You know, there's nothing worse in my opinion, 
than people that are holy at church and miserable outside. I'm miserable in church and outside of church. You gotta be at least consistent about it, huh? You gotta be the same person you are no matter where you are. You know, you can't sit there and be one person somewhere and another person others because we never change. Now, if someone here thinks that this place is holier than anywhere else, come on, let's get a life. This is where the focus of Christ is in the Blessed Sacrament. 100% God, truly human, truly divine, the real presence of Jesus Christ is here. But is Jesus Christ any less real inside of you? No. Do you think that today after you receive communion, we go back and we get real quiet? Okay, let's be still now, and I'm very big on silence after prayer. And we get communion, okay, I'm become one with Jesus. And then 10 minutes later, Jesus isn't inside of you anymore? Is that what you think? Or last night I had a kid in my car who was driving. He was, he was, he was giving a talk last night. We're coming up, and as we're driving back, we, I stop and get him some food. And he comes and he says, Father, I think I'm going to yak. I says, oh, thank you. Huh? You're going to yak in my car? I don't think so. That's all he kept saying to me. Isn't that disgusting and gross? I can't imagine the priest is talking about it. But so if after he received Jesus, and if he got sick, does that mean Jesus isn't inside of him anymore? Oh, sorry, you lost Jesus right there. No, that isn't. But we act that way. I really believe that we really think that. We in our minds say, oh, no, that's not true. But we really think that Jesus is only inside of me as long as the host is there. And as long as the host is inside of me, then that's really Jesus. And then when he's not, when he passes through me, or the host no longer is the host, Jesus isn't inside of me the same way anymore. Well, maybe not in the same way, but still really present. Real presence is real presence. Huh? That's what we believe. And see, what happens is, when we have a mentality that he's only truly present and I have to be a certain way at church, then what happens is we become very big hypocrites because then we act, you know, the old saying, do you ever say our father on Sunday and act like orphans the rest of the week? You know, do we act like one thing at church and then pretend that he's not inside of me everywhere else I am? But if we come to realize, again, what Jesus is talking about in the gospel today, did you hear it? Destroy this temple. I will destroy this temple and I will re it will be raised up in three days. They thought he was talking about the building. No. He was talking about himself. Same too with us. We are the body of Christ. Let's look at that. Now, of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Go to it. One Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 and following. Very clearly, the Word of God says, You then are the body of Christ, and every one of you is a member of it. You then are the body of Christ. You then are the body of Christ. No matter where you and I are, we are the body of Christ. It's that simple. Gosh, if we lived like that, could you imagine we'd all be saints? There'd be no way around it. Oh, I can't believe I just said that with God inside of me. Ooh, I just can't imagine that. Well, imagine it. Let's go on. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6.16, which we talked about today. 2 Corinthians 6.16 from the reading today. 2 Corinthians 6.16. Tell me that what agreement there is between the temple of God and idols. You are the temple of the living God. You are the temple of the living God. You know when today we become te temples? 
is the day we were baptized, right? The day we were baptized, God himself took up residence inside of our hearts. That's the day. When you think about it, God decided to take up residence inside of you and inside of me. Wow, that's pretty interesting. That's pretty phenomenal. And everything we do, if we go back here, I have to make sure I find this. Go back to 1 Corinthians again, chapter 6. In verse 15 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15, we see now how real the presence of Christ is inside of us, especially if we sin. What happens? And this is, so, this should really, this is what keeps me from sin, I think, more than anything else, is this one chapter in 1 Corinthians. Do you not see that your bodies are members of Christ? Would you have me take Christ's member, his presence inside of me, and make them a member of the prostitute? So like if you're in the presence of God and you go out and have sex with a prostitute here is what, what he's saying. I mean, the Bible's very explicit. God forbid. Can you not see that the man who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? Scripture says the two becomes one flesh. But whoever is enjoined in the Lord becomes one spirit in Christ. Shun lewd conduct. Every other sin a man commits is outside his body. But the fornicator sins against his own body. You must know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you. The spirit you have received from God, you are not your own. You have been purchased and at what a price. So glorify your God with your body. You see, it's so strong that Jesus says when you sin, the word of God says when you sin, it's like you're making Jesus have sex with a prostitute. That's what it's like. So whatever you're doing, whatever you and I do, we are Christ's presence, huh? And Christ lives inside of me. We're not Christ, but he lives inside of you and me. Where the spirit, the third person of Trinity, God, no matter how you say that, dwells within you. And every time we do anything, it's like having God do that, and it becomes a sacrilege. Just as real as a sacrilege if we do something right here in front of the tabernacle of God. Because we are the temple of God. Again, 1 John. Everybody run to 1 John, verse four, chapter 4, verse 4. 1 John, chapter 4, verse 4. You are of God, you little ones, and thus you have conquered the false prophets. For there is a greater one within you than in the world. Greater is he that is in you than the he that is in the world. Again, God dwells within you, and he dwells within me. We are temples of God. And if anything we need to reflect on today, it's that. We need to ask God for the grace to acknowledge and to know that God is inside my heart. In reality, can you pass the test that says, do you believe that Jesus Christ lives inside of you? And if it's true, yes, I believe, then we must live it. Every moment of every day, Jesus is there. Now, each of you know his love today and 
forever. Amen.